Is okay. Uh, so we continue with uh, uh, the teaching on the seven churches. And one of the things we do is we're not going through each church in detail. We're just taking one or two relevant themes and then just um, breaking that open. So last week we took the church of Thyatira and the theme we looked at was Jezebel and Jehu and the spiritual implications uh, that Jezebel brings. That's what we talked about last week and how it affects the church even today. So the, today we take Philadelphia. Philadelphia. And so if you go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 to 13. Now remember, we are not looking at the passage and going through it and explaining the strengths, the weaknesses, the warnings, the consequences and the rewards to each church, which would be the proper way to do it. We're just taking one theme that we think applies to us at present, and that's all. So even though I'll read the whole passage, we're just taking one theme, and that is relevant to us right now, and that's it. So, um, verse 7, starting at verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I'll make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I was just reading verse 10 and thinking of what the earth is going through right now. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole earth to test those who live on the earth. Guys, one of the things we need to understand is uh, we have to press in to be Goshen in a world that is being plagued. Eh? Uh, we have to uh, encourage people to believe that those that are connected with Christ and with the body can enjoy robust lives. That's one of the prayers I pray for Acts 29 and for those that are connected with us, even if you're not part of Acts 29. So that's something that you have to keep in mind. So today's theme today's theme is Open doors, that's the theme today, open doors, or an open door, open door. And so an open door is an opportunity, an open door is an opportunity 
An open door is an opportunity for effective work, for effective work. I didn't say effective ministry, I didn't say effective mission, I just said effective work to advance, to advance Christ's, to advance Christ's nature, mission, rule, and influence. That's what an open door is. So when God says, I'm giving you an open door, he's saying, listen, I'm creating or giving you an opportunity for effective work in the different realms and vocations and callings you have. Effective work to advance my son, Jesus Christ's nature, his mission, his influence, and his rule. And when it comes to an open door, Christ holds the key. Christ holds the key. The son of David holds the key. As in, he has undisputed authority. He has undisputed authority. He has undisputed authority to exclude or to admit. To exclude or to admit. He has undisputed authority to exclude or to admit. So Father, even as we listen to this word, I just pray your protection upon each home, upon each family, upon each single person, married couple, child, parent. I just pray your protection. I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for your desire to protect us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Christ holds a key. He has undisputed authority to admit or exclude. And that's important to know because when he opens a door, when he opens a door, no one can, sh no power, no government can shut it. When he opens or shuts a door, no power and no, or no government, no force, no spiritual power can shut it. And that's important. That's important to understand because as we talk about open door, we have to realize that when God opens a door, when he creates an opportunity, that nobody can shut it. No government, no force, no spiritual power, no physical power can shut it. It doesn't mean there won't be an attempt to shut it. It doesn't mean there won't be opposition, but it cannot be shut. It'll stay open because he has the undisputed authority to exclude or to admit. Often doors that you think are shut are not locked. They are just shut as in leaning. All you have to do is go push them. A church must have the ability to know the open doors that are waited. People must have the ability. I must have the ability to know the doors that, are, that God wants to open in my life. And once I begin to get the whiff of it, I must begin to move towards it. The room that you presently are in if you have finished exploring, you should look towards the far end of the room and see if there's a door there in the distance that you need to begin to walk towards. Because sometimes we can get so used to the space that we presently occupy, and both spiritually and physically, because everything starts in the spiritual, 
We can get so used to it that even if I were blindfolded, I could walk without hitting the furniture. And that is when I should begin to question whether there is another door that God has been trying to open that I'm not stepping through because of different reasons. Some of the reasons may be valid, some of the reasons may be very human, but they may still not be what God is hoping you will use as an excuse to stay in that room any longer. The other thing is, God doesn't necessarily wait for you to taste every dish on the table. This is not some buffet where you have to taste the pickle and the salt and the water. Once you've done the main dishes, God can say, okay, you've learned enough, let's move on. All I'm trying to say is that in our lives, in the life of Jesus, in the book of Acts, in fact, you can break the book of Acts into five different portions and each one you can see where it ends and where the next phase of God's activity on earth starts. You can see the same with Jesus' life. You can see him at 12 where a new phase starts. You can see him at, in the synagogue when he opens a scroll and you know another phase is starting. You can see him when Peter says, you are the son of the living God. You know that he has set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. You can see these marked phases in Jesus' life where each one is the entry into another space that was appointed to him. This is why open doors are important. Because I have an open door before me does not mean that Therefore, it automatically uh, swings open. I have to enter through it. This is not one of those uh, approach it and uh, sliding doors. No, this has to be entered through. And sometimes there is opposition. Sometimes there is pressure to prevent you from entering. Because if you enter, the enemy forces know that it could change your history. It could change the way your family functions. It could change the way a city or a town or sometimes a nation functions or sometimes the earth really. And so there are, on one hand, God's invitations and um, um, drawing of a church, a person to say, come, enter. Sometimes God draws a nation saying, it's your time, come, step into the next phase and nations stop. I'm talking about pagan nations. Because God has a destiny for things even when they do not know him. Isn't that obvious in our salvation? Once there is a door that one should walk through, you have to enter through. And the thing is, not only... I think it's important to write it down. Not only do you enter, you have to enter not when you fancy, but when God times it. As in, you can't decide that, hmm, God seems to be inviting me to an open door. I can decide when I step in. No, there are appointed times. There are appointed times. 
There are appointed times. Numbers 14, verse 44. Preceding verse 44 is the time when God says to Israel, Israel, go right now. You go right now, you can take the promised land. And uh, they don't want to. That door is open. Yes, there is opposition. Yes, there are anaks that uh, are, are giants and we look like grasshoppers. Every door that leads into the next new place will have giants waiting, which is why we do not enter. And these giants are not, um, these giants are familiar with your fears. These giants capitalize on, threaten the very fears that you presently have. They know whether it's lust. They know whether it's a grab for power. They know whether it's a fear of man. They know whether it's some other moral issue. They know whether it's an intense attachment to a parent or to uh, something on earth that um, you can't let go of. They know. They know our spiritual phobias and they will stand right behind the next door that is opening to see if you can be prevented from crossing the threshold or having crossed the threshold, retreat to your foxhole that you have gotten so familiar with that's almost like your bedroom. And yet God, during this phase that you have been in the past, has been building enough strength into you, enough courage into you, so that when you stand there and these giants come against you, if you were to pull out the sword of the Spirit, or if you were to call out on the Lord, you will find how quickly they go. But they don't want you to know that, so you will always stay, stay within your enclave, and you will shout loud from within this side of the wall, never from that side. The number of Christians who stand in where they have always been and shout is amazing. If you want to shout, cross the threshold and shout. You have to enter through and you can't decide when. So Israel decides not to go in when there's an invitation, when there is promise, when there is coercion from Moses and Aaron saying, let's go now. When there is encouragement from Caleb and Joshua saying, let's go now, they decide not to go. And then when God says, all right, now you will roam for the next 40 years, then they decide, nope, we will go. And in Numbers 14:44, they climb up to the highest point uh, from where they think they can attack the enemy. And it says the enemy annihilated, annihilated them. Numbers 14, verse 44. So there are appointed time frames. So be aware of that. Sometimes these time frames do come back years later so that God still gives me an opportunity to fulfill what I missed out on. But years go by. So an open door is a God goes with you and before you kind of door. An open door is a God goes with you and before you kind of door. It's not an open door which says, and now what do we have behind this door? No, it's not like that. It's God going with you and God going before you as you step into this next big room that you haven't traversed before. You look around this particular room you are in and everything looks familiar. 
And now God is saying, there's a door. You want to enter through and you go there and you're scared because this room is way beyond what you have entered into. You can't even drag the furniture from the room you were in into that room because that room is so different in its makeup, so different in its decor, so different in its plushness, so different in the kind of enemies that exist, so different in its shadows, so different in its giants that you can't even take what you had. You have to now begin to depend on him in a way you've never depended on him. Which is why Jesus starts off saying, I know you have little strength. But I am placing a door before you and if I open this door, nobody can shut it. He's not surprised by your lack of strength, but he also knows what is within you. Yeah. How do we understand God going before us and the enemy's opposition at the same time? Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 3. Deuteronomy 9 verse 3. Let me know if there are questions full on the screen or however. Deuteronomy 9 verse 3. Hear, uh, verse 1 to 3. Hear, O Israel, you are now about to cross the Jordan to go in and dispossess the na nations greater and stronger than you with large cities that have walls up to the sky. The people are strong and tall, Anakites. You know about them and have heard it said, who can stand up against the Anakites? But be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. He will destroy them, he will subdue them before you, and you will drive them out and annihilate them quickly as the Lord has promised. We have to do what he tells us to do. But there will be a new experience. Every open door leads into an unfamiliar experience you haven't had before, which makes you more reliant and dependent on the strength of God than you've ever depended before. And it shows you a, a side of God you haven't encountered before. Isaiah 45 verse 2 is when God promises a man called Cyrus that I'll go before you and I'll go with you. Leverage it. Whenever there's an open door, you can really leverage God because it's like, hey, I'm with you. You can take advantage of it like very few other times. Isaiah 45 verse 2. Let's read verse 1 and 2. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of, to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of the armor, to open doors before him so that the gates will not be shut. Again, it's only God who can do that. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down the gates of bronze. I'll cut through the bars of iron. I will go before you. An open door is a God who goes with you and before you. That aside, and we won't be talking about what I'm uh, going to say next today. We'll talk about it in the future sometime. But as I get accustomed to walking through open doors, uh, you will end up walking under an open heaven. As I get accustomed to walking through open doors where God says, hey, here's a new door I want you to walk through, and you step in through it, you will eventually, as you get accustomed to walking through open doors, and there can be many such doors that God opens in a person's life in one year. As you get accustomed to walking through open doors, you will find yourself walking under an open heaven. 
in a territory, in an area, God will say, okay, you've done this so well. Now I'm going to give you a much wider expanse and I'll disclose to you where the doors are so that you can take advantage of them, so that you can administer them on my behalf. Where now it is not God saying, let me take you to your next phase. Let me take you to your next phase. You've done it so well that God is saying, hey, you've reached a place where, listen, there, which door do you want to try? And then you say, that one, Father. And God says, all right, can you administer it on my behalf? Can you make sure that you become the one who opens and shuts it? It goes back to what, um, what's, what's her name? The one who leads, Jane. Um, it goes back to what Jane was saying, Zechariah 3. If you rule, if you do well, if you walk a certain way, listen, I'll put you in charge of my courts. Isaiah 22, verse 22, about Eliakim. God says to Eliakim, I'm putting the keys of uh, the house of David on your shoulders. What you open will remain open. What you shut will remain shut. What is God doing? He's saying, listen, this is what I normally do, but here's what I'm going to do for you. Since you've gotten accustomed to walking through every door I'm asking you to do. Now, what's your pick? I've got other doors I want you to check out. Which one do you want? That one? Great. Can I appoint you to administer that door so that now that you've understood how I work, you can decide who goes in and who stays out. He did this with the uh, disciples. He said to them before leaving the earth, who you forgive is forgiven. Who you don't forgive, their sins are retained. He says to Peter, as soon as Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom. What you bind will be bound on earth. What you lose will be loosed in heaven. But we'll stop there. We won't go further than that with, the, with that theme because let's get accustomed to first walking through doors before we walk under an open heaven. God begins to disclose doors that you can locate and you can possess and he'll ask you to administer that on his behalf. It, it is a fabulous place to live. Where it's like being in a house in a... It's like being in a very large house where initially you were given keys to certain doors. And then suddenly God is saying, hey, this entire house is yours. Which door do you want to try next? Oh my God, man, you have no idea how, um, how scary and wonderful it is. Because every door holds giants and treasures. It's almost like a video game. Do they still call them video games? Okay. Okay. Just checking. So recognize the times you are in, Acts 29. Recognize the times you are in if you're listening to this somewhere else. Because God is flinging doors wide open for entry. God is flinging doors wide open for entry. Like I said, we are taking a theme that is relevant to us now and the relevance of themes is decided by the Holy Spirit and it is because he thinks we need it for now and this is the time we are in. So open doors must be seen with faith where God says, hey, here's, here's a door I want you to go through now because you've, you've done well here, but let's move on. I'm a God who is unchanging, not you. You need to change. I'm the unchanging one. So let's now move to the next place so that I can change you and shape you into something else. So open doors are seen with faith. 
And once you see them with faith, you have to wait for him to say, come. And open doors are seen with faith, they're launched with command. Open doors are seen with faith, they're launched with command. And you enter into them by well-timed obedience. Well-timed obedience. That's how you enter. And you have scant regard for circumstances. It doesn't matter whether all the conditions are right or all the conditions are wrong. That doesn't matter. Peter did this when he walked on water. He sees Jesus. I don't know how Peter even dared ask, hey, could I walk on water? Who does that? Who in their right mind does that? I mean, the next time you see someone um, uh, paragliding, you don't go up to the guy and say, can I paraglide too? I don't have a glider, but let's just try it. You don't do stuff like that. Look at what Peter is saying. Can I walk on water? But having received the invitation, he waits for the command. And once he hears the command, come, that's when he steps out. And then he has to time it well. Once Jesus says, come, Peter doesn't say, can we go boating a little while more before I step out? No, he steps out immediately. There's this thing called I'm calling it well-timed obedience. I'm saying to you that if, if obedience is not immediate, it is not obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I need 20 confirmation obedience is disobedience. I will do it once my dad dies or my um, uh, brother gets married or I get married. Disobedience. I, I, I wasn't thinking of you, Don. Yeah. There's a scant disregard for circumstances. And the other thing is, when I walk towards an open door that I have been, uh, that I have seen, like if God shows me an open door that I must walk towards, it swings open only as I approach. It swings open only as I approach. This is why it says it requires faith. Every door in my life that I have walked through, and sometimes I walk through six, seven doors in a year that bring me to another place in God. Every time I, 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 God says, okay, here's another door you need to walk through, I, I, it doesn't open just because God says it. He expects you to now begin to walk in faith. You, you see this happening in Acts chapter 12, verse 10, where an angel works up, wakes up Peter and says, Peter, you're in prison, time to set you free. And so they start walking. Peter thinks it's a vision. And as he's walking, he comes to this huge gate. And he's thinking, what's going to happen next? But as he approaches the gate, the gate swings open. That's how this works. It swings open as you approach it. And so what happens with open doors is you can accomplish in 10 minutes what would take a person one year. You can accomplish in 10 minutes what a person would take one year to do. The opening of doors is the work of the quickening Holy Spirit. The opening of doors is the work of the Holy Spirit who quickens things. You do in 10 minutes. I was trying to figure out, how do I say this, Father? Do I say 10 minutes in uh, compared to 24 hours? No, I felt God saying, no, you can do in 10 minutes what a person would take one year to do. That is how quickly you can enter from one place in God to another place in God. And every time you enter a place in God, the enemy suffers a loss and the kingdom advances. And you get the spoils of war, besides the fact that you discover something amazing about God. I mean, that itself is reward. But besides that, you get the spoils of war too. Yeah. Uh, uh, once, every time you 
step into another place in God, the enemy suffers loss, the kingdom profits, you get the spoils of war, besides the fact that anyways you discover something else that is so magnificent about Christ, which there's no other way you can discover. No book will tell you. No book can tell you like having an actual encounter with a certain facet of Christ that you haven't seen before. This is so cool, man. So let's look at some scriptures that talk about open doors. So the first one would be Revelations 3, 2 that we just read. I know you have little strength, but I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have little strength. What God is trying to say there is, hey Jacob, these open doors are not by might or power or by your qualification. These open doors are by my spirit. I know you have little strength, but you've been faithful. I know you've been, you have little strength, but you've been patient, you've endured. Those are the qualities that uh, increase my domain. Those are the qualities that increase my domain. Faithfulness, endurance, these are what increase my domain. Giftedness does not increase my domain. Giftedness brings me applause and gives me a stage. Faithfulness and endurance gives me domain, as in influence. Greater area to rule on behalf of God, tethered to his nature. Greater area to rule on behalf of God, tethered to his nature. Because Praful didn't get that line when I first said it. He looked up at me and then thought, should I ask? And then he thought, no, he's already commented on my shirt being tucked in. How I can read your face behind that mask? Huh? Okay. So, <laughs> so, even though you have little strength, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. So it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is a quickening work of the Holy Spirit. And so don't be, uh, don't, don't turn back. Don't turn back because you haven't amounted to much. Don't turn back because uh, the start you have is so small uh, that people wouldn't even look at you a second time, even though you're making progress. It's not evidenced by others. Don't turn back. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't quit. Don't be discouraged. Man, I was never discouraged when we were building acts and there were only two people and then six people and ten people and twelve people. Never discouraged. Never thought, ah, this isn't working. After three years, it's only fifteen people. Never crossed my mind. Don't quit. It's a work of the Spirit. God will keep opening doors, man. This opening door thing is such a common thing God does. We just have to realize that the room we are living in, once we get so used to it, everything is familiar, then ask yourself this question, why am I still in this room when I know where everything is? I've been faithful, I've done everything I'm supposed to. Now it's Groundhog Day. Father, where is that door you're showing me? 
And if he opens it and no one can shut, then it also means that no one can stop you. If necessary, he'll move you on if the person in charge of the house is not letting you enter another room. Now the scripture we can look at is Revelations 3.20. Revelations 3.20. Where Jesus is saying, uh, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and supper with you or eat with you. I will sit right down and eat with you. I will sit right down and eat with you. Revelations 3.20. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and supper with you. One of the things that open, happens with open doors is that you enter into a place of heightened intimacy internally. As in, I've never stepped through an open door and no church has stepped through an open door. No, uh, 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 no, no incident in the Bible ever occurred where there was an open door and someone didn't step through it and become even more heightened in their intimacy or reliance upon God. Because every new door that opens, you end up liking God more. You end up being more intimate with God. You end up being more reliant on God, partly because it's highly unfamiliar territory and it's natural for a child to run to its parent in an unfamiliar place. Partly because you realize what a rewarding, wonderful God he is. Uh, partly because you just want to be more and more passionate about your service for him. It all leads to this place where there's a heightened intimacy internally. Where God is literally saying, hey, as I take you through, let me, uh, through, through this open door, uh, I'm available. I'm available to come and sit with you, talk to you like you haven't experienced yet. And not only is there a heightened intimacy inter internally, you will find that there's an increased receptivity in people around you. Increased receptivity in people around you. Or externally, there's a greater receptivity to you. There's a greater receptivity to you. People begin to notice that, ah shucks, there's something that's changed quite radically in Jacob. And I need to pay attention to what he's saying more than I normally do. More than I normally do. It's half entertaining, half distracting. I'm talking about Phoebe. Yeah. I don't know if you remember what we said on the third day of Clean Hands, Pure Hearts. We talked about something called 3T65 or T36, 3T65. As in, uh, remember to spend time, remember to show tenderness. And remember to share your treasure. And since that day, I've had occasion on every day to either share my treasure, my time, or an approach of tenderness with some stranger that uh, has occurred every day since Thursday. This is part of this idea of increased receptivity externally. I'm just connecting it. It doesn't really connect, but I wanted to remind you. That for the next 365 days, for me it's now 362 days, because three days have gone by. For the next 362 days, God's going to provide me an opportunity every day for the rest of the year where I will get a chance to share either my time or my treasure or 
some way of encouragement or tenderness or lifting up or warmth with a stranger. It won't be someone at Acts 29. It'll be a stranger. I just have to recognize those opportunities every day and they're going to come every day. But going back to the open door thing. These are the rewards of walking through these doors that God holds open. There's a heightened intimacy internally because God and you begin to sup together like never before. And there's an increased receptivity externally because people know that you have been with Jesus like you haven't been before. Two or three times in the Bible they talk about that. And then they realize that these disciples had been with Jesus. Next one. 1 Corinthians 16, 9. 1 Corinthians 16, 9. 1 Corinthians 16, 9. It says there, that a great or wide door, depending on the version, a great or, or wide door for effective work has opened to me, though there, there are many who oppose me. A great door for effective work has opened to me, though there are many who oppose me. So that is very um, relevant to what God is doing for us right now. Uh, God is giving us an open door in this city. He's not saying, I will give. He's saying, I have given. It's almost a Joshua 6-2 sense. If you go to Joshua 6-2. Joshua 6-2. It says there, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Verse 1, Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. So it's almost this sense of not, I will give you an open door this, in the city. It's the sense of he has given us an open door in the city, that it is already given. And so what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to pray Acts 4.29 and pray Colossians 4.3. Acts 4.29. Acts 4.29. Which is a familiar prayer we prayed many times over the last four months. Acts 4.29 Now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. When you have an open door in a city, call God in Acts 29 saying, Oh God, please. I know the city is difficult, but you've given us an open door. I know there may be many who oppose us, but you've already given us an open door. Oh God, now look at the difficulties we face in this city in terms of speaking out boldly and give us the boldness. And as we begin to embrace that boldness, as we step into T365, oh God, I ask that you begin to stretch out your hands in signs, miracles and wonders. Because he's, he's not saying, I will give you the city. Sometimes, guys, when we go through these meetings and these three-day meetings and the Shekinah seven-day meetings, we think to ourselves, is anything happening? Isn't this futile? Hey, we've only been at this for four or five months. Satan has been at this for years. Finally, things are beginning to break. The evidence may not be seen yet, but when it comes, it comes like a tsunami.
Ja. Ja. Because God is God, you don't have to be discouraged. Because you can't do this anyways. You just can obey. That's all you're supposed to do. Mine is to obey. Because I can't heal anybody, I can't save anybody, I can't do nothing for them. I just obey. You just obey. That's it. Colossians 4.3. Colossians 4.3. That's another prayer. Now that we've been given an open door, pray Colossians 4.3. Colossians 4.3. Pray that I may, yeah. Pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that, when we pro- so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. As in, yes, you've given us an open door. Now pray for us. An open door exists. Now please pray for us. As in, pray for Jacob. Pray for uh, Derek. Pray for Sue. Pray for Heidi. Pray for Jillian. Pray for uh, Prashant. Pray for Pawan. Because every day these different guys are going out. Begin to pray for people. And what are you praying for them? Not that they uh, have a wonderful day and uh, uh, that... Uh, uh, not stuff like that. Oh God, I pray for Pavan that as he goes out today, that you would, in the name of Jesus Christ, because you've given us an open door in this city, help him to disclose the mystery of Christ to people that he meets. What a crazy prayer to pray. We're not praying for protection. We're not praying for provision. Why? Because we know those things are taken care of. We are praying. Wouldn't it be wonderful if churches began to pray this strange prayer? Oh God, today as this person goes out, I don't pray for their protection or provision because you are their father and you take care of them. I now begin to pray that as they go out, they will disclose the mystery of Christ to different people as they meet. When they face opposition, that you, oh God, will give them the boldness to speak so that in the face of threats, they'll still stand firm. And as they do, Father, would you stretch out your hands in healing signs, miracles and wonders so that next Sunday when we meet, they will say, please, 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 can you boot Evan out of the tech team because I have a testimony to share and Jacob will say yes and amen don't worry Evan you're still useful now the open door Revelations 4 verse 1 Revelations 4 verse 1 Revelations 4 verse 1 hey Don why did you turn off the AC man it's pretty hot here. Turn it on. (laughs) Don't make it too cold in a mood of vengeance or anything, eh? That sounded a little angry, you're okay? Okay. Revelations 4.1 After this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and I heard a voice that sounded like a trumpet saying come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Open doors uh, allow you to have spiritual sight that lets you upgrade your level in God. Open doors, sometimes an open door, not sometimes an open door, every open door requires 
um, a new site, not requires, every open door, um, what's the right word, not require, comes with, and every open door comes with a new site of God where you are upgraded in your perception of God. You're upgraded in your perception of God. And then your perception of God affects your reality and how you walk. You seek and behold His glory as you step through every new door. You go, oh shucks, so this is who you are. This is what Paul was talking about. Or this is what Joseph was talking about. Or this is what Jesus was talking about. And you, you suddenly begin to walk differently in this unfamiliar new room or new space that you've entered into through the door that God opened. After this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and I heard a voice saying, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. I know I've said this not a million times yet, but quite a lot. Uh, that Moses had to have upgrades in his perception of God before he could lead people into the next stage. So the burning bush was not enough to take them through 40 years of the desert. Therefore Moses has to see God on Mount Sinai. The burning bush was enough to be a deliverer. The burning bush was not enough to make him a nation former and leader. That required Mount Sinai. And once he sees him on Mount Sinai, now he's ready to take a stubborn, stiff-necked people through 40 years of the desert. In different people's lives, you will see this. With David, there were three anointings in his life. There was the anointing with Samuel, there was the anointing in Hebron, and then there was the anointing in Judah. And between each anointing, there was the need for David to catch a new sight of God that would bring him to the next place. It is the same with Saul. The Saul who fell off his horse on his way to Damascus needed to confront and meet God again in the deserts of Saudi Arabia so that he could begin to say what he said in places like 1 Corinthians 11 and Galatians 2 where he says, and then Christ himself appeared to me and said, I am, uh, he, statements he makes, I was born out of time and yet uh, I'm so fortunate that Christ came and told me this. As in you 12 have seen him face to face, but I no longer know him that way. I was born out of time, but I know him according to the spirit. What a claim, man. Yeah. A question that I often ask of you is, every year is, who is God appearing to you as? as almost like a faint echo of Revelation 3 verse 13 or so, where Jesus says, I'll give you a new name. My question to him every year is, so what's a new name or new ro a new nature or character of yours that you're showing me this year or this, these two months? Because sometimes doors open faster. Next one. Luke chapter 12. Luke 12, verse 35 and 36. Luke 12, 35 and 36. Luke 12, 35 and 36. 
Be dressed, ready for service, like servants waiting for their master, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. Be dressed, ready for service, like servants waiting for their master, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. Guys, when it comes to open doors, uh, expect suddenlies. Expect suddenlies. Expect suddenlies. As in, many things that you thought would take a lot of time will happen so quickly. So quickly. Finances that you needed for a vision that God had given you. When you were just a, uh, like a, like a three-day-old believer, God gives you a vision and you know it's impossible because you don't have the resources or the manpower or the skill or the gifting to accomplish it. And then the, as you walk through these doors, suddenly one of the things that happens as you walk through different open doors that God places in your life is suddenly whatever you need comes your way without even working for it. I don't even know how it happened. Three days after I got born again, God said, listen, you will be going from nation to nation to nation. And he shows me a vision. Never had a vision before in my life. Three days, third day after being born again. I'm just kneeling at my sofa in my living room in Bahrain and praying because I didn't know what else to do, didn't have any friends. And so praying and this vision comes. And nothing happened for 13, 14, 15 years. And then one day... Every three weeks going to nations. How? Where does the money come from, guys? Which church will allow a pastor to go every three weeks? It's nuts. God has the ability to arrange different things. This is why one must, uh, one must nurture a vision, not force a vision. One of the problems that happens with young people is that they have a vision and they try to make it happen. Won't let go of it. It's good to be bulldogish. But you may end up having a doll that's all ripped up in your mouth by the time it comes for the vision to be shaped. You've got to nurture a vision. And the problem with older people like me is that we nurture the vision so long that uh, it's got no new parts. Because we sat on it for so long. Nurturing is to keep looking at it, seeing if God wants to add something, waiting. Pushing your finger to see if it's ready. Be dressed, ready for service, like servants waiting for the master, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door to him. Open doors bring sudden leads into your life. So be alert. Huh? Be alert to divine disruption. Whenever you go through an open door, this is so critical. Be alert to divine disruption. Be alert to divine disruption. Divine interruption. I'm not talking about intervention. I'm talking about things that interrupt what you had planned. Be alert to this. Be alert to divine errands that you do not understand. Because that's one way that God tests you to see, hey, can I trust you with the next door that's going to come after this? Do you have a looseness 
or a um, disattachment, a disentangled disattachment to the things of the earth. So when I tell you go, you drop everything and you go. You don't ask why, you don't try to figure it out, you don't try to think it through, you don't try to reason, you don't try to say, but God said this, and you're just so like a blooming cloud that I talked about in Job 37, verse 12, where God takes a cloud, he loads it with moisture, and he puts the cloud through its spaces, sometimes this way, sometimes that way, sometimes using it for love, sometimes for extravagance, sometimes for discipline, just wherever you want to go. Oh, did I mess up your plans, Jacob? I told you that you would do this, and now you're asking me, why are you uh, changing plans? Go read Job 38, verse 2. Some of us need to hear this, eh? Job 38, verse 2. Read it from the NIRV. A friend of mine pointed out the scripture yesterday. I read it and I half fell off my chair laughing and half crying. Job 38, verse 2. From the NIRV. Who do you think you are to disagree with my plans? You do not know what you're talking about. How's that for a conversation with God? So it might well be that Derek and Don are going to India in 15 days, but maybe Don's supposed to stay back for 10 more days and go later. Oh, no, no, I can't. This will disrupt my plans. Really? Who do you think you are to... Tell me that my plans are wrong. Alert to divine disruption, divine interruption, divine errands. And please don't think this is an old people's problem. It's sometimes older people who train themselves well for years learn how to turn on a dime. We got to get over this faith dilemma that we had. I, I, I've struggled with it in the past, where God tells me something, and now I have enough stubbornness to stick with it, but now when God comes and tells me, listen, I know I told you to go th here, but I want you to stop by Jairus' house because the daughter is dying, and by the way, on the way, you don't know this, but uh, there'll be a woman with the issue of blood. You'll have to stop there too. I just want you to be aware of this. No, Lord, you told me to go here. Jairus, uh, I'll send Peter. A woman with the issue of blood, I'll send Mary. Because my heart is set on what God told me the first time. God can change your plans. He can dismantle your neat boxes. And the sooner we get used to this, the sooner open doors will begin to open faster. Because he knows you are not tied to a plan. You are tied to him. Second Corinthians two twelve. Second Corinthians two twelve. This is a cool one. Where some doors you have permission to either take up or not take up. It says in Second Corinthians two twelve, now when I went to Troas to preach, I found that the Lord had opened a door for me, but I still now had no peace of mind. 
So Paul has, Paul's saying, listen, I know that God has opened this door. It's open there for me to preach the gospel, but I had no peace of mind. And so Paul doesn't take that door. So there are times when some doors are permissive and a time frame delayed is not an opportunity lost. Sometimes some open doors are permissive in the will of God. As in God is saying, listen, if you want this, Jacob, it's yours to take. So if I delay it, it doesn't mean that I lose it. If I delay it, it doesn't mean that I lose it. A time frame delayed is not an opportunity lost. Question is, how do you figure this out? You converse with him. You, 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 you know there's this open door, but inside you, you feel that uh, it's not fear that's stopping me from entering. Uh, but there's something about my nature that God knows and God's nature that I know that uh, affords me the luxury to maybe take this door up later. Sometimes for reasons that aren't very spiritually valid. And God will say, it's okay. I mean, I, I remember writing down this uh, just a few weeks ago when something like this happened in my life. And I'll just read it out to you. Here's what I wrote. I was asking God, Father, you opened this door for me. Should I take it or should I not? I just ra would rather not take it now. I can take it later. And uh, here's what uh, I sense God re re uh, replying. So I wrote it down. This is my permissive will for you, Jacob. But that should be obvious, isn't it? So I'm okay if you don't take it up. And you can't be disobedient in it because it's in my permissive will. So no, I'm not disappointed, but I'm loving this conversation for your sake. I thought to myself, that is so cool. He was actually beginning to enjoy the conversation because here is an open door and God is asking me, do you want to take it? And I'm saying to him, but if I don't take it, will I be disobedient? Will I disappoint you? You're giving me this door. Should I take it? Should I not? Will, you be will I be disobedient? Will I disappoint you? And he's saying, you cannot be disobedient in this because it's up to you. But I'm enjoying this conversation because you are so bothered about whether you're going to disappoint me, whether you're being disobedient. I'm enjoying this conversation for your sake. Sometimes, and I've said this before, guys, sometimes God delays an answer just so he can engage you in a conversation. I do that with some of you. Dads do that with their kids, where you ask the dad a question and you won't get a direct reply. Why? Because the dad wants you to engage him in a conversation so you can think some more before you get to the answer. Sometimes God delays an answer just because he wants to engage you in a conversation. What a loving father. Is that a pear or an apple? I hope there's some left for me. Okay. Next one. I've got uh, two more to go, guys. Next one. Um, Acts 16, verse 26. Acts 16, verse 26. A great, a great earthquake um, happened so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. Acts 16, 26. A great earthquake happened so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So... One of the things that um, happens with open doors, particularly for Acts 29 
and what we are at present involved in. Whenever God opens a door in a city, you must expect bondages to be broken, prison doors to open. Bondage is broken, prison doors open. There must be an opening. Whenever God opens doors in a city, and I believe he's already given us an open door in this city. We already talked about that. Whenever God opens doors in a city, in a nation, in a church, in lives, then expect an unfastening of bondages and an opening of prison doors. One must expect it. And initially, it may be a little difficult to expect because every time you think you're going to get a breakthrough, you get results that don't encourage you. Guys, one of the coolest words that I was given early in my life and that uh, is essential for an apostolic church is the word endurance. To endure. To continue in long... Uh, to, to continue in long obedience in the same direction. Long, passionate obedience in the same direction. Unwavered. Unwavering in what you know is true and what you know you have seen and will happen. Unwavering, long obedience in the same direction. The very nature of the apostolic is to endure. A pioneer or a pioneering church that cannot endure is not a pioneering church because you cannot pioneer without endurance. Simple. You can have all the gifts, you can have great preaching, you can plant a hundred churches, but if I don't see endurance in you, I'll call you a planter, I won't call you a pioneer. And endurance is joyful, endurance is passionate, endurance is unwavering, endurance is not, oh, woe is me, everybody's making it big but me. No, it is like, absolutely confident of what God has said. You're, you're this joyful little dynamite stick. Uh, one day will blow up a whole blooming mountain. Eh? Like Jesus can tuck in his pocket and throw out whenever he wants. Boom! The ferocity of God's power, the ferocity of God's power is always seen when God opens doors for a church in a city. Trust it. You know, even as I say this, um, the three people that we prayed for two Sundays ago, I've, I mean, part of me wants to not think about it. Part of me wants to tell you about it because we prayed for um, a 23-year-old that Ranita had uh, spoken about who, have, who are suffering from a disease like ALS. We prayed for Dillian's landlord's uh, dad. We prayed for Surian's dad, who's my age. Uh, all three died. All three died in the last 10 days. And then you juxtapose that against a message like this and you think to yourself, where is the power of God? Absolutely present absolutely present. A city 
where a church has been given an open door. We must expect the unfastening of bondages and the opening of prison doors. Isaiah 49, verse 24 to 26. Isaiah 49, verse 24 to 26. Can plunder be taken from warriors or captives rescued from the fears? But this is what the Lord says. Yes, captives will be taken from warriors. Plunder will be retrieved from the fears. I will contend with those who contend with you and your children I will save. What a scripture. And so he says it over this city and we echo it here. We speak it out for him. Can plunder be taken in Vancouver? from warriors, spiritual powers, forces who have held people captive. Can captives be rescued from the fears? But this is what the Lord Almighty who has opened the door in this city for this church says. He says, yes, captives will be taken from warriors. Yes, plunder will be retrieved from the fears. I will contend with those who contend with you and you, your children I will save. What a beautiful verse. What a powerful God. Last one, which is very familiar because we've been so stuck in this psalm forever. Psalm 24, verse 9. Psalm 24, verse 9. Psalm 24, verse 9. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors and let the king of glory enter. Open up ancient doors. Let the king of glory enter. Open doors always lead to a breaking in, a breaking in of destiny, a breaking in of destiny and movements on earth, and movements on earth. Whenever God gives you an open door, Yes, you will step into it, but others will benefit. The destiny of others get repaired. Some of us will start movements on earth that take on their own um, juggernaut-like strength and snowballs. But open up ancient doors, open up, uh, let the king of glory enter in. Breaking in, whenever doors are open, know that there's a breaking in of divine destiny, first in your life and then through your life. Let me say that again. And I'm, I, 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 I can give you example after example from the Bible, leave alone from my life, but from the Bible, of people who entered through open doors and immediately their destiny shifted. And the moment their destiny shifted, the destiny of the people around them, sometimes cities, sometimes people groups, sometimes tribes, sometimes nations shifted. The number of open doors that Joseph stepped through from being in his father's house to Potiphar's prison to Pharaoh's palace. And each time, it was not just his destiny that was being shaped. And what did Joseph have more than anything else? Endurance. The word of the Lord tested him. But he endured. The ability to endure. And endure passionately, huh? I'm highly suspicious of God is molding me, breaking me. I'm highly suspicious of that. 
but that's just my problem. Just so I'll put it out there. So if he's doing that, try to use a different phrase when you talk to me. Open up ancient doors. One of the things that happens when um, open doors happens in that it, it first breaks into you, changes your destiny, changes others' destiny. And what happens is uh, things that have remained desolate, things that were remain, uh, had remained um, wild and unkept, suddenly desolate heritages are either retrieved or cleaned up and restored. That's one of the things that happens. Every time God has opened a door in my life, it has always resulted in either Acts 29 or another church or another nation benefiting tremendously in something of its inheritance being restored or given to it. Either given to it or restored to it. Every time God has opened a door in my life that I have stepped through, Either Acts 29 or another church or another city or another nation has always had some part of its inheritance either released to it or some part of its inheritance that had fallen into disrepair restored. And I look forward to this. I mean, I'm waiting for COVID to end. I'm looking forward to what's going to happen in Kaunas in Lithuania. I'm looking forward to some of the places that God will begin to restore things as you begin to keep moving. I'm looking forward to what this revival will restore to people. What do you think it is? An open door. Open up your ancient gates. Open up your ancient doors. We've been singing this for ages and uh, after we are done, Jane is going to sing it again. And how it happens differs. Eh? Sometimes it's a pebble. Sometimes it's a pebble. You throw a pebble and it causes these ripples. Sometimes it's a blooming storm where it comes and sweeps through a place and before you know it, everything that is needed to be swept away, swept away, what remains is what is stable. Sometimes it can be a mustard seed where you don't see its growth. It is hidden but suddenly it becomes a tree that the birds can dwell in. Sometimes it's an earthquake where it is so visible that the stones are rolled away. How God does it isn't my problem. My thing is be obedient because it will happen. History is such a cool thing. Huh? It's after the event. You can exaggerate it, minimize it, redact it. But my God, history takes time, man. Alrighty, I'm done. So let me end with this. If we are saying that these are relevant themes that the Holy Spirit... Man, it's so cold, Don. <laughs> People are pulling out their sweaters. What's with you? I think at this rate, he may go to India before you go. <laughs> Forget about delaying. I, know, but I think I'm standing right under it. That's why. Okay. So if, we, if this is a relevant theme that God wants to bring to us, then I've got some rhema words that I want to release to us. 
Rema, the best way to, <laughs> only Pentecostals and Charismatics define Rema the way I'm going to define it, because if you actually went and looked at it from the Greek sense of it, it isn't what I'm saying. But uh, taking things out of context is our speciality. So, <laughs> so <laughs> when I say Rema, what I mean is, uh, a word given to you for a time such as this that has in it the grace you require. A word given to you for a time such as this that has in it the grace you require. And so as you receive it, it detonates. Or sometimes it's on a slow wick and it um, explodes a little later. But it is specifically given to you. It is a specific uh, Jacob-crafted word for Jacob. God knows me, God knows how I'm wired, and he sends me a word that has in it the grace that I require for this time in my life. And once I receive it, it detonates. And God releases to me what is very tailor-made for Jacob. So that's what I mean by rhema. All to say that I just want to release a few rhema words that I believe God was speaking. I've written them down and just want to um, speak them to you. And um, for some of us, this may apply immediately. For others, it may apply later. For some, it may not apply. Yeah? God is not a equal employment kind of guy. He knows what you need and he does it accordingly. So the f uh, first, w first word is relaunch. As in, God wants some of you who have shelved things, who uh, were discouraged by the first time you did it, um, and you even perhaps got burnt. God wants to release, uh, all these words are open door connected. God wants to release this word relaunch. And uh, if you want to have an idea of uh, the picture that God has in his mind, it's John 21 verse 6, where he says to the disciples, boys, Cast your net on the right side. The second one, second word is again, all these words are very open door words. Fresh start. Fresh start. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Oh, praise God. I just got a text from Diana. She said, Ranita just texted that she woke up from a sleep just now and is pain-free. Praise God, eh? Thank you, Father, for your kindness, for Jesus, for you taking pain upon yourself and for these kind of answered prayers in Jesus' name. We give you praise, Lord. You are the doer. You are the doer of these things. You are the doer, Father. You are the doer. I give you praise, Jesus. I acknowledge what you've done. I will give thanks to you, O God, amongst the nations. I will sing praises to you among the peoples, for your steadfast love is great. For your steadfast love is great. What's the next line? It's great unto the heavens, and your faithfulness, your faithfulness unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory fill the earth. We give you praise, Abba. Isaiah 43, 19, verse 19, where God says, listen, do not cling to the former events. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do. Don't you perceive it? It's almost like stop holding on to how you've been 
trying to do it and it hasn't worked. Do not, do not cling to the f events of the past. Do not hold on to the former events. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do. Can't you see it spring up? Don't you perceive it? Um, relaunch is not a fresh start. It is to do again what you had done the first time. First time you fail, but that doesn't mean you don't attempt it again. Relaunch is to do the same thing a second time. Fresh start is start from scratch. It's a new thing. Do not even consider what you did in the past. Next one is uh, seek new vision. Seek new vision. Maybe for your marriage, maybe for your ministry, maybe for your business. Seek new vision. Go to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Where it's this idea of going uh, up the watchtower. And God is saying, let me, let me give you a new vision that you can write down. Because the vision you're presently running in is either old or it's... Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, what's, what's, what's the word when things expire? Yeah. Uh, there's, it's reached its expiry date. So get a new vision. Fourth one. These are all very familiar passages. Fourth one, uh, extend. As in whatever you're doing, extend it. Meaning uh, it's very limited. It's from Isaiah 54, verse 2. Isaiah 54, verse 2. Extend what you're doing. It's very limited. It's well within your ability to complete what you're doing. Extend it. Be out there on a limb. Stretch your tents. Extend your, um, um, pull out your stakes. Uh, buy rope that is longer because uh, you need to extend it. The limits have to be increased. The next one, which is a very odd one. I didn't expect this in the middle of open door. Uh, for some of us, God is saying, all is forgiven. All is forgiven. All is forgiven. It's from Luke 7, 47. It's from Luke 7, 47. Sometimes this may not be for someone at Acts 29. It may be for someone else somewhere. Luke 7, 47. Luke 7, 47. All is forgiven. He looks at the woman who's weeping and wiping his feet. And he looks at people around and he says, she has forgiven, been forgiven much. And therefore, her gratitude is immense. All is forgiven. Again, it goes back to this idea of a fresh start. But someone needs to hear this rima. The next one is uh, step out of the shade. Step out of the shade. Step out of the shade. You know, there's an old EV song <coughs> written in the 1980s which says, Step into the sunshine, step out of the shade. Okay, okay, okay. It's 1980s and she starts crying. Man, 1980s, some of your parents hadn't met each other. That is how old 1980s is. Step out of the shade. It's Judges 6-2. Judges 6-2. Where an angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and basically asks Gideon to step out of the shade of the wine press that he's hiding in. Step out of the shade. Step out of the shade. You may not have all that it takes, 
but step out of the shade. You may yet not be fully what you were hoping you would be. Step out of the shade. You still have the same circumstances and conditions around you. Step out of the shade. Guys, trust me, when I write down stuff like this and share it with you, I am afraid and feel foolish. <laughs> but, <laughs> but experience has taught me that if you obey, somehow God will take this and connect. And even if I don't hear about it, what's the worst that can happen? That I was foolish and wrong. What's the best that can happen? That I was foolish and right. Last one. You're not too young, you're not too old. That's from Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 7. Do not say you're a youth, and to some of us God is saying, do not say you're too old. Do not say you're a youth, do not say you're too old. So, if any of these register right now, or if they register later, Take them and run with them. Yeah? As far as I know, there are no midweek meetings this week. But then that was exactly how I thought last Sunday too. I'll see you later. I think Jane will come and close with one of those open up the door songs or one of those songs. Has a response. Why is a response important? Because a response anchors things. In our hearts, it anchors things. Yeah. You, you may say, but Jacob, I've already written down these notes. I'll remember. We're not talking about anchoring things in terms of remembering. We're, thinking, we're talking about anchoring things that's in spiritually anchoring things. And so when we respond to what we've been taught through a song or a prayer that agrees with God, that is when we can walk with him. Can two walk except they be agreed? An agreement here on earth must be verbalized or symbolized. Yeah, That's half the reason why we do something at the end that is either symbolic or that is a response. Yeah?